0: Hello and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. The podcast that puts its left arm into the world of Scottish rugby, puts its left arm out again, then in and out, shakes it all about before doing the hokey-cokey and questioning if that's what it's really all about. Um, I am Cammy Black and this week... We're going to be reviewing Embra's difficult second album under Richard Cockrell to decide if it's a white light, white heat, or a use-your-illusion. Um, we, um, we had some people, I think, on the blog asking why we weren't doing uh, a Glasgow post-Pro 14 final um, podcast, and the answer to that is they lost. <laughs> so that's the reason why. Um, if they had won, we would have... Um, Sort of
1: showered them in glory,
0: yeah. Sort of blown the blown the horn and and mustered the Glasgow troops to to review it, but it, it, there seemed very little point. Um, we'll be <laughs> doing the Glasgow review next next week when we'll also be talking about the the badge. It, it felt I didn't really want to do that to Embra fans to spend um, ten minutes of the the Embra season review talking about Glasgow's nice shiny new badge. Um, but so joining me on this ramble through the eighteen nineteen season, it's our regular Embra correspondent Sandy Smith. Evening all, and we have also got editor of the blog Rory Baldwin. Hello. Don't forget you can visit the blog ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk. We're on Twitter at ScottRugbyBlog or at Cami Black, as well as Instagram and Facebook, who I'm still not very happy with for taking all my money <laughs> and putting trying letting somebody advertise spanners on their, on the web page. Um, but you can also email us podcast at ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk. Please don't email me about the spanners. <laughs> a lot of emails about spanners. I can't help you. Um, Reich, we'll crack on with this. I, I asked you both. Now, I had a brainwave this afternoon when I was writing the notes for this, and I and I'd written about it about being Ember's second difficult second album. Um, Sandy, if this was Ember's difficult second album, which album would it be, and why?
2: Uh, well, I'm I'm going to go uh, for uh, Stone Roses' Second Coming. Because okay. it was just such a disaster that the band split up afterwards. <laughs> Hopefully that will not be the case with Edinburgh, but uh, um, and that was the fact they only got, as you probably know, they only got two albums, so there you are. Um, but potentially, potentially it could also be um, uh, Counting Crows, which in their second album was recovering the satellites, and uh, unlike their debut, uh, which uh, August and everything after, um, only sold two million copies when the the uh, uh, the first one was seven million. So that's that's maybe more appropriate because it just didn't quite live up to the to the hype for the first one. Yeah, and I yeah, mean,
1: but it is, it is quite a good album actually.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it on its own it stands alone, but uh, I, I think uh,
1: probably not to the record companies like
2: it. No, but no, not when you don't sell it. Eh? Uh, but August never, than after I think is you know, we digress. This is not. It doesn't lie on this, but it's a it's a great
1: album. <laughs> it may
2: yet become that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's
0: there's something in that though, isn't there? That, I mean I suppose Counting Crows is probably more apt because they're still together, aren't they? Yeah. So you would yeah, hope, that's... although Sorry. although that haven't haven't repeated the success of the first album, so you kinda of still hope that Ember don't go that way. It's, I mean the stone roses, I guess we, we we just have to hope that Ember don't split up now and then we yeah. spend the next sort of decade with lots of rumours of Richard Cockrell getting the band back together. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and the occasional occasional matches, you know, down the line. <laughs> yeah, just to keep everybody happy. <laughs> you could have who would you have? Maybe maybe
0: Darcy Graham could be Manny, and he goes off to join Glasgow Warriors. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um Rory, what did you have for the the, the well, difficult second album?
1: Difficult. It's interesting, actually. Um, I thought it could you know, it could quite easily be uh, REM, uh, in which the reckoning came after the murmur. Um arctic monkeys favorite worst nightmare
0: was a dreadful uh, depa- album
1: depends on your take, take on the uh, take on the season i suppose uh clash's second album giving them give them enough rope which um i think nicely sums up the <laughs> self-destructive nature <laughs> of scottish rugby teams yes. could apply to any number of their performances um bruce springsteen the wild the innocent the street shuffle you could rename that uh Pierre Scuman, Darcy, Graham, and I Wander down Princess Street during the festival, but it's it's not quite as catchy. <laughs> it doesn't ring. Um, in, the the, <laughs> in the end, I went for actually, Cammy. Uh, you've you've totally killed killed it with your uh, with your use your illusion comment because according to the Wikipedia, GNR Lies is Guns N' Roses' second studio album, even though it's not really.
0: It's not really but, no. Um, it doesn't count.
1: I'm going to go for GNR Lies because it just blatantly wasn't as good as what came before.
0: That's fair enough. Yeah. I thought I got, for some reason I was I was good, I was going to make a Chinese democracy joke, but then I realised that's like officially their sixth <laughs> album. And um, hopefully we don't get into Chinese democracy territory with 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 Ember where they just keep going on and on and on without actually delivering anything. And when it does, when Please. they do get there, it'll be very disappointing. And um, I went with the bends, uh, very solid. And in some ways, it's a progression from the first album. Um, probably gives some assurances that they're not one hit wonders, but the the best work is hopefully yet to come although I know that's devices yeah. from devices with some I know some people c- couldn't get their head around the okay computer and kiddie, et etc and they are wrong um
1: oh, okay I, I yeah the Benz is my favorite album but then it's yeah no i oh, i, I okay. agree it's
0: it's probably the most accessible of them all
1: yeah. i would guess i did one one other choice that i did almost uh, almost suggest was Whitney Houston's second album
0: oh wow
2: <laughs>
1: Which was, which was I mean, I didn't know this until I found a, a page that had a list of everybody's second albums on them, and <laughs> found loads of examples, but Whitney Houston's first album was called Whitney Houston, and her second album was called Whitney, so it would be more of the same, just a little bit less.
0: <laughs> well, I suppose what, we started off calling him Richard Cockerell, and he's firmly cockers by the second season, so that kind of works. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. It's got to be an improvement, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, well, I mean, we'll we'll go right back then, right back to the to the the distant mists of time in last last summer. I mean, it, it all started quite well. Um, there, was, there was a lot of hope at the start of the season. The news of a new purpose-built stadium in time for the nineteen twenty season, and we'll we'll discuss that later on. Um, nineteen twenty or twenty twenty? Uh, no, the the original proposal was it be ready for the nineteen twenty yeah, season. Yeah,
2: that's
1: right. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. excellent. Um, and um, probably the biggest rebrand of the club for a while with the. Um, the, the the orange castle that then I think about three weeks after it was launched everyone realised it was an up, it was an upside down e and went oh yeah. that's that's cleverer than we thought um,
1: ah, okay I thought
0: it was a Lego break. yeah um, t- I mean that that rebrand I mean we we've just had the Glasgow one Sandy. I mean it, it was divisive at the time how does it how does it feel sit with you now we're we're seasoning
2: yeah I I, I mean I, I have to say I was a I was very much in the, uh, the doubtful category at the time. Uh, the colours didn't, well, the colours actually probably bothered me more than the, than the, uh, the badge. The badge is just, well, it was just the way it was, things are always, that happens. But, uh, uh, the, the change of the colours, because, I mean, I, I don't go back far enough to remember, them uh, them playing in those colours before, although, I did go away and look at it, and try and find out. But, uh, so, I mean, it was always red and black for me, and I, that that hurt, probably hurt more than the uh, the badge, um, but now I have to say now that the 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 the, the colours look quite good. Um, I mean, and uh, as does the as does the badge. I mean, it's obviously it's very blocky and simple, but it it seems to do the job, and nobody's complaining. In fact, more people are probably complaining about the uh, the advertising in the back of the guy's shorts and anything else now. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, I, the, the shirt, Rory. I mean, it was when it came out i was quite impressed it's a, it's a nice shirt it goes well with jeans for the you know for the fa- the casual fan wearing it it's, yeah, it's I mean, actually it a, ra- a rarity for a rugby shirt
1: yeah it's i mean it's navy blue which means you could wear it to scotland games if you you know if you can only afford one extortionately priced piece of rugby uh merchandise then it's kind of it, it can double up i think it was i think the, the navy blue thing was a good idea if for no other reason than you know Glasgow playing black quite a lot of the time, um, so it gives them a little bit more differentiation, not having two teams just playing in black the whole time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought the the new kits were were actually pretty smart. They're probably um, the best Macron kits uh, since probably the Scotland shirt with the the tartan on it. Um, and yeah, I, I've, you know, you've almost. You almost forget about uh, the, the Edinburgh played in, in black and red for so long now. I mean, we've just kind of got used to it. It's these things are always a bit of a shock when they come along, but um, you know, everyone everyone kind of gets gets behind them as long as it's you know, as long as they don't change the colours again next year. Then then you know, the, the fans would probably start to feel a bit taken advantage of. But um, yeah, I think you know, I think it's fine. But that that um, the logo, yeah, it's like Jeremy Beatles hand now. All I can see is an E on its back every time I look at it. <laughs> Can't see the castle anymore.
0: No, no. Um, I, I mean, and, and then we, we get into the, the, the sort of pre-season, Sandy. I mean, there was a convincing win away against the Falcons and then a narrow defeat to Bath at Megatland. Um, yeah. Last game they played at Megatland. I mean, I think everyone felt quite positive going into the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that was certainly my impression. Um, I mean, the game against Bath in particular, I thought, they, I mean, it was one of these ones where you, everybody changed at half-time as you would expect. And But, uh, you know, there was plenty in there to actually be to be positive about um I mean the, you, I mean I think everybody was just expecting we would things would probably carry on the, from taking off from where they had the previous season but it obviously didn't quite work out that way um and
0: then it doesn't all go to plan then when the season actually starts though does it
2: no no <laughs> <laughs> you see, I mean I mean I think it to be honest, almost the first two games kind of typified the the, the where the failures of actually came this year. You know, uh, opening week, opening two, opening away games, which I think, if I remember at the time, was a was a bit strange because I think everybody just about everybody else got a, a home game at least second, but um, we were away twice. Um, uh, obviously, first the Ospreys and uh, and then uh, across to the, the Kingspan. Um, I, I mean, I, I remember writing at the time that I thought that John Lacey had had a, a shocker against the Ospreys, but now I can't quite see what exactly what it was he did that was so bad. But uh, <laughs> um, I think it was probably just we weren't very good. Um, Whereas Stuart, Stuart Berry did, you know, have some moments in in uh, a game against Ulster that were confusing, but then again, the last we could have won that game and come away from there with a. With a victory, even if uh, um, Simon Hickey had actually taken a bit of time with his kick, I mean, he had a penalty on seventy-nine minutes, kicked it, but took you know did it far too quickly. I mean, I'm now moaning about something that obviously in the last couple of weeks people have moaned for the opposite reason for, but uh, you know uh, they were able to kick off and we failed to secure the the, the kick off, and then they ended up uh, getting another another penalty, so we had. Um, a victory snatched from our uh, from our claws at the very last second, and that was just naive, to be honest. More than anything else, do you, I mean? Do you do you think that maybe you know, in, with the benefit of
0: hindsight, Rory, that that sort of poor start to the season sort of sort of kind of always haunted Edinburgh in a way throughout the whole year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things that you see, you see, you see it more. You see the kind of the. The damage that it does when you have that have the, the run in at the end of the season there that, that Edinburgh have um, you know jumping ahead a wee bit um, there was there were so many games that they had to win you know they had to win them all or they had to start picking up bonus points and that pressure at the end of the season when everybody's that much more tired there's more injuries to take into account um, it, you know it really it really does help if you can pick up the wins that you should early on I mean yeah they, they they beat Benetton early on, but they beat them by a point at Murrayfield. They should be, um, I guess we, we probably didn't know that this was going to be the season that Benetton kind of clicked a bit and, and came good. Certainly started kind of challenging the, the middle to upper levels of their, their conference. Um, but yeah, they, you know, Edinburgh based on last season's form would have been expecting to, to win that. Maybe you're not going to beat Leinster at the RDS, but um, yeah, they, they took a while to kind of, uh, to, to sort of find their find their, find their stride. Um, I mean, I don't think it was helped that they never quite got, to, uh, you know, Matt Scott and Mark Bennett playing together um, through the through through the season. Um, I think they're still still kind of struggling to to work out a first choice backline, and it'll be interesting to see with all the new guys coming in next season how you know how they mix that up.
0: I mean that that Leinster game because I remember watching that and that was probably Sandy's kind of encapsulated Ember's season in a way because there, there was five points in it not long after half time and, and Embra had a, a reasonably good second half but then well Leinster did what Leinster did and they kind of you know there yeah. three three quick tries but I don't I, from from recollection I don't I don't think those tries necessarily came from any sort of superiority from Leinster or or, or any difference in class they were all sort of moments of. Embrus kind of switching off.
2: Yeah, I'm, I have to be honest. I'm, that's one I don't really remember all too well. But yeah, I, I, what I do remember is that that we weren't we weren't outclassed on that, but it, it just felt as if we were never going to be able to actually win. it felt the one that you know will come away with uh, you know maybe an air of respectability, but not not an actual uh, not actual points as such. Um, I mean, and that again—that was a, that was a—I you know, think that was the fourth game of the season. So uh, up until that was, the, you know, a third of four away game, a third of, three yeah, so out a, of three out of four, you know, yeah. it's coming, <laughs> three out of four away games in the first four, and it—I it, think it was just it was, it was it was, it was almost like the die was cast against them, but, but you know, just the way the fixtures landed, it was, uh, you know, to to go there early on, um, uh, and like I. I you know respectability, but Leinster. I actually thought I felt they they, they won it uh, a bit of a canter, to be honest. They they did, but there was. I mean, there was that that um,
0: that Pierre Schumann got got the red card in That's that right. that yeah. game as well. They're quite controversially, I think that it, you know he he took the ball into contact and hit the Leinster player with his elbow. I think was the was the card, and it it felt harsh at, at the time, and that was almost the turning point in the game. And I guess kind of it was. I mean, not like like you said, you never expect have expected Edinburgh to win, but they were they were in that game up until that point, yes. and it kind of feels he got four week ban after that as well. Um, which was interesting. He'd had a good. He, he's one of the players I think that, in terms of who came in this season, that that had stuck. You know, has done very apart from that four week ban that he got. That I think rather unfairly, we we might say, has sort of came in and hit the ground running.
2: Yeah, I, 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 for sure. I mean, I, I, just to touch on that, so, I mean, hasn't, I don't think he's actually changed his style of running with the ball since then. I don't, you know, it, it, that's still a, a feature of the way that he uh, takes a contact. So it, it did feel a bit harsh at the time. Uh, I think, if I remember rightly, now that you've. Reminded me, um, the 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 Leinster player was was also ducking into the tackle if yep. I remember rightly, and so you know had reduced the height. I mean, it's always going to happen. now. it's just the way it is. But uh, you know, it was um, the circumstances. But um, you know, they, they they obviously that was that was a kind of the last moment. they went on a really good run. If you know, you will going to touch on it, but. Uh, um, uh, Home a run of home wins continued from after that away loss to Leinster until uh, until February, um, but it was obviously away stuff was still the still the issue. But uh, um, I, I mean, it's I, I remember it just to go back to the Benetton game. I felt that um, because they had a kick in the, the last seconds of the game to. Uh, to win it, missed it, and it, so it, I remember tweeting afterwards that it was like uh, Steve McQueen in The Great Escape because it was <laughs> we were so lucky to get away with that.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think we. I remember at the time with the, the Pierre Schumann thing that we. I think somebody somebody got in touch with us at the time to say that they'd met him after the game. I think it was after the Benetton game, actually, in the car park at Murrayfield, and he'd reenacted the entire thing for them.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that too. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean,
0: things got slightly better, Rory. Uh, or, or certainly, it felt like Embra had turned the corner in the next two games. You got 31, like like uh, Sandy was saying, was thirty-one thirty against Bennett, and then thirty-seven twenty-one against the Cheetahs. But then <laughs> get beaten away to Zebra.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it, uh, the the the,
1: um, it's the, it's the, uh, the age old age old thing. Um, it's it's the big games, managing to to do that, and then going away and losing one that you really. You really've got no business no business losing with all you know all due respect to, to Zebra. And yeah, those those are there's a there's a you know, there's a, a few people suggesting that maybe um, bad refereeing through the season has cost cost Edinburgh or um you know it, the fixture list is probably to blame. I think it's probably a cumulative effect. There's been some games there's been a couple of dodgy decisions, some games there's been um just really silly individual errors. Um, and some games, the team just hasn't quite turned up. Um, you know that, that zebra one is probably probably one of them. And you know you can certainly look at the you know the last uh, the final game of the season as well. They um, they were probably probably guilty of that for understandable reasons, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean it's interesting that that zebra game because it it comes I think every, it comes around the time of the Scotland camp for that that random Wales game, doesn't it? So so yeah. I'm looking at the match report now and. You know, there's Jamie, Jamie Hodgson, Mungo Mason, and Callum Atkinson coming off the bench. So it really, was kind of bare bones time, Sandy, you know, around that time in terms of injuries and players lost to the Scotland. Yeah,
2: it, I mean, it it was. Although that, on one hand, you're, you're absolutely right, but I mean, we also on that day that would uh, uh, Skewman started. Uh, uh, the immortal Ross Ford, uh, <laughs> Simon Simon Bergen, uh, Luke Hamilton, who at that point had been having a really good season, um, uh, Bill Mata, uh, Henry Pergos, uh, Dean and Johnson, that had been the, the centre partnership, uh, as Rory really had been talking about, but in the absence of um, uh, Bennett and Scott uh, and Darcy Graham, so I mean they did have they did have quality on the pitch, um, but the only problem was that the quality we had. Was was trumped by the fact that the uh, uh, the zebra said, if I remember rightly, that uh, um, uh, Conor She had released all these internationals back to Zebra that day, uh, so they all played. Uh, whereas obviously the likes of Stuart McAnally and um, Grant Gilchrist uh, were retained in the retained in the Scotland squad. Um, I think I remember writing that it, 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 it was you know it was a sensible decision for Conor She because the. You know, for Zebra to get a, a, an important home win was probably uh, more important because they felt sure it was the All Blacks that were playing. The, it was fairly sure they were going to lose to the All Blacks. and uh, So it you know, probably didn't make any difference. So it probably suited them. Um, whereas, obviously, um, we got nothing out of it. And It it was more, I think, it wasn't just, we didn't just lose. We were actually heavily beaten. Um, it was, I mean, 34-16, it was... Um, I think they capitulated towards the end. To be honest,
0: yeah. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, Roy? I mean, you you look at the teams that Embra lost to, and Zebra Dragons and Kings. I mean, Zebra won three games, and one of them is against Embra, mm. <laughs> and they only play them once because of the conference system. So you can't. I mean, really, you can't expect to be getting towards playoff territory or sort of the, the even the sort of a Heineken Cup playoff territory if you're losing those games.
1: Yeah, um, and it is the it is that thing that that's that's dog you know it's dog Scotland teams or Scottish teams for for long enough is just the kind of inexplicable don't really turn up looking like they're all that interested um, when there's a team there for the beating and you think why not um, especially you know you you'd be reasonably certain that Cocker's is going to send them out there with a with a bit of fire in their bellies. Um, and yeah, just to to see that see that go missing is quite is quite dispiriting. Um, but then I suppose it you know it kind of it played into I guess it made the it made the European stuff when that when that rolled around seem even more kind of uh, even more unlikely because of the you know the the start to the season that Edinburgh had, had wasn't wasn't all that great. Um, and I mean as the as the uh, as you, you said there with the the players players being released. Um, back to back to Zebra but not to not to Scotland um, Edinburgh I reckon this season they probably suffered a wee bit more than they have um, in previous seasons I mean Glasgow yeah. are, are notorious for, for getting getting annihilated by international call-ups and losing you know half their half their squad if not a whole starting 15 and that sort of thing but I think almost the success that or the relative success that Edinburgh had the unexpected success Edinburgh had last season um I guess maybe maybe hurt them because a lot of guys who had maybe been bubbling under or not getting quite getting the starts for Scotland suddenly, you know, their form last year had made them had made them, you know, clear standouts. Stuart McAnally, obviously Hamish Watson has always has been there or thereabout. Um but guys like say Simon Simon Bergen, you know, um and obviously the the second rows, um Toulis and Gilchrist. You know those guys are suddenly um those guys are suddenly genuine Scotland contenders so they get you know there's probably Cockerel was probably losing more of his squad than than he'd maybe expected um to the international side of things and you know Edinburgh he's only been there a year Edinburgh haven't had the time to build the depth out that Glasgow have been working on that you know Dave Rennie's been working on bringing through the younger guys so that when um you know, because he doesn't have a huge budget to just buy in loads of Aaron Crudens to to cover cover it, international <laughs> periods. Um, so he, you know, he's bringing through the younger guys and making sure they've had the, they had that game time, and it's not a complete just here you're getting thrown in. Here's a you know here's a trip to Munster or whatever. Yeah, um, and Edinburgh have I don't think Edinburgh have necessarily been able to do that yet. There still seems to be a little. I don't. I don't know about the youth. I think. I think Cockerell actually maybe trusts his younger players more than he trusts his fringe players. If you know what I mean, the guys like Luke Hamilton or the Sean Kennedys of the world.
0: Yeah, I think probably what's interesting is it's the uh, we've we've touched on this before in the past. Is is Glasgow don't sorry, Embra don't have a Tim Swinson or a Rob Harley. You know, guys that have played at international level and have you know been usurped by the younger guys, but are still. You know, useful, incre- useful yeah, and incredible players, very experienced. They've, you know, played in big matches, but, you know, aren't, you know, have been surpassed yeah. almost by Embra players in a way, which is kind of the misfortune I guess yeah, Embra I mean,
1: have. Uh, yeah, I suppose, there, I mean, there's guys like Fraser McKenzie, um, but again, he, you know, he's. He's probably not had quite as much international experience as those guys, but he's probably the closest that Edinburgh have got yeah. To, to. Yeah, go like
0: that. but then, but then you look at his, you know, with all, I, I know, it goes without saying, it, it's an incredible feat to to become a professional rugby player. But with, with all due respect to Fraser McKenzie, he he's he's been a journeyman at Sale and Falcons before coming back to Edinburgh to to f- almost fill that role of. I know he was club captain at one point, but to sort of fill that role of, of filling in during international windows. Yeah. So there's not the same sort of thing as having a Tim Swinson or a Rob Harley, who, you know, are sort of all old, the old gnarled warriors who've seen it all kind of thing. That that's kind of what um, I guess mm. they had that in Ross Ford, but they've lost it now. Yeah. Um. I mean, we'll, we'll probably we'll, we'll probably touch more on kind of squad depth and stuff as we get to the end. I mean, the next two games are kind of interesting because there's a real reaction to the Zebra match because you know we end up with Scarlets at at home. With a thirty-one twenty-one thumping, and quite a convincing win from what I remember, and it's again, you know, Scarlets had lost the players, but but so had Embra. They had Bill Matter, I think, and still, um, but, I mean, that was of course famously that was a game I think where 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 Scotland lost. Played Thompson, wasn't it?
2: That's right. Yeah, uh, he he uh, was concussed that night, and only just as you as you know came back to the last a uh, couple of games of the season for Scarlets. I thought just a, a, just to touch on. Uh, what Rory was saying, here and yourself was saying, uh, Cammy, that uh, I saw that uh, Kevin uh, or Statsman had said that uh, Edinburgh were the only side uh, this year to have beaten both this conference finalists to top the top the conferences, and also lost to the bottom two teams. Yeah. So that's a, that's a kind of a strange Something's accolade up, <laughs> to have. It's
0: it probably, like you said, it, well, it's that thing because then the next, of course, beat scarlets thirty one twenty one, and you could, you know, you could argue that the scarlets were depleted, but you could equally argue that Ember were depleted just as much yeah. because of that daft extra game that Scotland played. Um, but then the following game, go down to dragons and lose eighteen mm-hmm. twelve, and I think possibly if memory serves as well, may have even at that point won um, the uh, CPC Cup that Blood and Mud oh, give out. <laughs> So it's not yeah, it's eighteen twelve at dragons, I mean I think dragons won five games overall, but they're still you know they're you know they they, they finished below they finished below ember on twenty six you know in fact there's twenty five points between ember and dragons at the end of the season, and again they sh- it's inconceivable almost to go away and well beat scarlets at home in, in such a convincing way and then go away to dragons and lose, yeah,
2: Sorry, uh, Rory. Uh, it, it, there was one point actually that felt like that was a there was an attitude issue there because that was the game that was switched almost at the last minute to a Sunday night tea time game, mm. um, and they just the you know they knew and obviously they knew they were coming back up in the bus because I saw pictures of them on the on the sleeper bus and I it just looked as if they were that their minds were already on the. Uh, um, the, the European stuff the week after, and they just just didn't really turn up at all.
0: Do you, Do you think that was probably a trait then? that They'd got to that far because I mean, if you look at the number of fixtures that you actually play in the conference system, it's not it's not a huge amount. I mean, you, obviously you add the Euro fixtures into that, but do you think there was there was maybe a sense within the squad that that the season had gone at that point then, Sandy?
2: And that's perhaps that because it, I mean I don't you know. I mean, those circumstances weren't great. I mean, but you, you you still expect them to turn up and be professional. But uh, and that but that game against Dragons, you know, we I think we were Dragons on the Sunday night, and then uh, obviously back home in the early hours of Monday morning, and then uh, on the plane across the island, to play uh, Munster on the Friday. So it, it was almost maybe not so much that the season was gone, but they just they they just never managed to get their heads round. The, the schedule and and put it to one side and just say well let's just you know tail away let's just go on with it and, and it almost it was like it, it was like self fulfilling this is really hard to do this so it just it, it kind of fell away as a result um, eh, because they were still I mean obviously we, we had a couple of I mean I suppose it's easy to get up for the, the the games that are coming you know in in December the, the European games eighteen seventy two and what have you um, so. There could be something in that. It's that that gave, that gave the kind of um, motivation that maybe, perhaps was starting to ebb away uh, with the, with too many defeats. Um, because it certainly, you know, as we got to I think to March, there was a kind of resurrection of a sort um, where it, it felt as if there was potentially something that could be done uh, before the, those again those hopes were dashed. But uh, it just felt as if it was a yeah, just not quite. Minds on the game, if you like.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because cause this, this weekend, uh, Mark Palmer's interviewed Alan Dell in the uh, Sunday Times, um, who talked about being mentally caged in his last two years at Embra. Um, I think Embru, Embru rug, Alistair the Embraer Rugby was sort of saying it's not a really good look for Embraer that, you know, that, that players are feeling like that. So there clearly is something... Going on at Embra and whether or not it's just a, a, a almost like it's you know any organisation or any team that goes through a period of change, there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be a mindset yeah. shift and whether or not Embra is still going through that, because it was interesting. I mean, it, because Alastair kind of put, uh, was was communicating with some with with someone else and had said not he, he wasn't worried about the on field more the passengers. In training, getting the fringe players pushing whether they are in with a shout or not, no coasting allowed. Now, interestingly, Sean Kennedy replied to that tweet and said that statement couldn't be further from the truth.
2: Really? So it's inter- it's, it's,
0: inter- it's very interesting, isn't it? That there's the, you know, players, well, a player who has left Edinburgh Rory is is sort of talking about things mentally not being right, but you don't know whether or not that's, you know, you're going to have individuals that are resistant to change and. Are going to be casualties of any new regime, Yeah. but do you think is is there a note of concern there that all might not be right mentally at Edinburgh?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think looking at it, if you compare this season to last season, you might yeah you might be concerned because it because last season they were, you know, they were they were very hard to beat and they seemed very sure of themselves and kind of sure of their systems. They went you know their defence suddenly became became really really good in the pack were monstering people about and we were i guess we were probably expecting you know more of the same um with a little extra John Barkley this season um but it didn't it you know it didn't always materialize certainly there were some games where, where it did the european ones and the you know beat the beating of glasgow um but yeah there is there's there's that thing i mean you know looking at the the dragons game there you know, you've got a guy playing there like Jason Tovey, who played for Edinburgh for a few seasons, and you know, was never really less than, than excellent, despite the fact that he knew he probably wasn't. You know, he probably wasn't a long term solution because it's a Scottish club and they want to bring on Scottish qualified tens. Although, I mean, if you look, who was playing for Edinburgh against the Dragons, I think it was probably Hickey, yeah. and you know, he's he kind of came as a as a as a great hope and you know, a player with some potential, um, but hasn't really managed to get past. Jacob Van Der Velt, for what whatever reason, um, and you think okay, this is this should be this should be your your opportunity. There's a chance uh, chance to go you know go third in the conference with this this win. It's the Dragons, yeah, they're at home, but you know you'd think that you've well any professional team would fancy their chances, but certainly um, even even a team who, whose confidence is maybe taking a knock, Edinburgh should have should have uh, should have fancied themselves to to do something down there. Um, and the fact that they kind of just went through the motions and didn't really—it's um, quite, yeah, it's just it's disappointing. I mean, and I would guess that we will probably, you know, you would—I would imagine from the sort of the way that the kind of the club has kind of shut up shop in terms of um, in terms of media and communications and stuff since Cockrell came on board, everything's a little bit more closer, you know, a bit closer to the chest. Um, I, w- I would imagine that's probably reflected. You're not going to hear. Players who are staying, speaking out, or, or having a problem with anything. But yeah, it's interesting the the kind of wee grumblings that we're hearing from the from the guys that are leaving um, about about what's going on. But I, it's probably one of these things you won't hear too much um, until there's a you know a bit more distance. You know, yeah. Until you know, until Dale's been away for a while. I mean, obviously the problem is that the SRU is such a is such a, a close knit organisation. Obviously Edinburgh and Murrayfield are, are are one of the same at, at certain times of the. Certain times of the year, and obviously he still has Scotland ambitions. He doesn't want to, um, he doesn't want to fall foul of the bosses. So I would imagine he's probably not going to, you're not going to hear hear too much that's that's controversial. But yeah, I mean it is it is interesting. Obviously, you know, Cockerell was at Leicester for so long, and he instilled a very successful culture. But then there was a time when that just wasn't working anymore. Um, I think it would be unlikely that it's happened at Edir- you know Edinburgh, in Dunning- a season and two, well, two seasons now. What took him, you know, a decade or whatever to happen to him at, at Leicester in terms of, you know, losing the the dressing room and like that? I, I still think, um I still think Edinburgh are uh, are working work in progress.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We've we've kind of skipped ahead a little bit because I've taken my eye off the Heineken Cup fixtures, of course, but. Do you think there was that sense? Because I mean, obviously, the, the the opening game, we get. I don't think anybody really expected them to win away at Montpellier. Um, but then there's that game at the end of October, 40-14, away to Toulon, which I think yeah. I don't think anybody would have predicted that, would they, Sandy?
2: No, I, I, I mean, in fact you can you can probably say before the start of the Heineken Cup, Edinburgh were probably expected to be. Bottom of that group. I don't think anybody gave us a, a, a snowball in hell's chance of doing anything uh, I mean, as it as it turned out, obviously the other teams were perhaps not at, at their absolute best. I mean, you can see what's happened to Newcastle at the end of the year. But uh, I mean, I think the, the I mean the, the the narrow loss away first and foremost, I think was a kind of almost a kind of sort of wake up call. Um, uh, and I think that, that, if I remember rightly, that was the occasion that uh, um, that the uh, Simon Bergen and was it Magnus Bradbury crossed just before they they, they should have scored, um, and uh, if they had got that try, the game could have been different. But they, obviously, they, they just, it just was on the line. I mean, they were they were unopposed, but just the one in front of the took the ball and they were they, they, they got it taken away from them. But um, I think it was a kind of. I could almost—I almost sense that they realised. Well, well, ha- hang on a minute. We're, we can actually play this team, uh, and if we're losing so narrowly away, then you know we can we can do some certainly do something at home, which they ended up uh, um, which they ended up doing against Toulon the, uh, a week a week later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from from Ember Rory, but do you think? I mean, maybe with the. With the benefit of hindsight, you look at that. You know, we look at that group at the start of the season, and we think that's. You know, Ember, Sandy's right. Embra are looking at being bottom of that group, but now you come to the end of the season, and you think, well, you look at the other clubs. I mean, Toulon aren't the Toulon they used to be. Montpellier have have, have struggled so much that Big Vern Cot has been shoved upstairs, and Falcons have been relegated from the Premiership. So, I mean, how much of it is? A uh, strong Embra performance, and how much of it is that Embra caught those teams at the right time, so to speak?
1: I think, yeah, it's diff- it's difficult to say. You don't want you don't want to um, take anything away from Midem because it was a fantastic achievement. I mean, you don't you don't get into the the knockout stages of Europe by being uh, complete rubbish, but. At the same time, given where Edinburgh, you know, given the rest of Edinburgh season in terms of the finish and the, the conference, the kind of the stuff that we've already talked about, the the potential, you know, the, the switching off at times, you're thinking, would that team have beaten the Toulon of of a few years ago? You know, def- definitely not. They're they're not quite the, they're not quite the force um, that they've they've been, um, but still. You know, the, it was a the, those those results were were kind of fantastic. I mean, they didn't they didn't just scrape past too long. They yeah. pretty yeah. much hammered them, um, and I don't think anyone's anyone saw that coming. Um, and plus, you know that that was the game with the with the matter offload, wasn't it? Or was that later? Um,
2: uh, no that uh, that was um, that was a way to uh, Montpellier. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, a wait to, uh, too long. Yeah, it was that
0: game, wasn't it? it was that, that that big win? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, it, it's it's interesting. It's huge it, guy. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because cause, uh, 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 that almost sort of gives Ember a little bit of a, a, a kick up the bum. So it's because then you get you know you you the form hasn't been great in the pro fourteen, but then you know, there's a couple of pick up that those couple of wins in Europe and and then quite convincingly. You know, retain the eighteen seventy two cup sandy, and you know it'd be it for all we're accused of bias and and it tends to be we're accused more of bias against Edinburgh, i think than, than the other way around, although we are accused by both sets of fans of being biased but but perhaps we should spend that's some something time cause
1: we did, we, something because we didn't have sandy on the podcast before. well, that's yeah.
0: true yeah so uh, let let's spend some time we'll talking about those eighteen th- those <laughs> eighteen seventy two cup wins then sandy i mean because i mean they're both both fairly convincing.
2: Yeah, and and you know, and I think the one thing before we even talk about the game, I just like to so say uh, that uh, obviously there was lots of silverware to play for this year, uh, and only one Scottish club has any, so you know, <laughs> it, it seems quite clear to me. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it, it, uh, I mean, particularly the, uh, I mean, the home leg. I mean, I had, a, I had a feeling of a mugging about it. Um, I mean, you're, uh, to the two um, two interception tries by, uh, by Duan that, uh, that probably dented um, uh, young Mr Hayston's confidence for, the, for a few games afterwards. Yeah. Um, and at least, you know, they, they seemed to canter away and, and the, game, the game never seemed in any doubt. Um, I think even I probably didn't think we would go uh, to Scotland the week after and do what uh, uh, and 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 round it off, but you know, it, particularly as we are away form was so poor. I think at that point we were saying that the the only after that when it was the only our only away win all season and it didn't really count because it was still in Scotland. So, uh, <laughs> it, so it was uh, yeah. I, it was definitely a you know if you're looking for highlights in a. In a difficult season. That was uh, that was definitely one. And you know, and it, and you know, I, I mean, you can get a bit churlish about it. You know, it's only the 1872 Cup, but you know, it, it's a bit like when people complain about teams only winning the League Cup and they call it the Diddy Cup, but but when they when they when they reach the final, their fans are still. Uh, still celebrating, so it's you know, it's not quite no, the
0: same no, time. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, it's really sort of come into it's only 1872 in the last couple of years, I think. There's always, I think that the die hard fans on both sides would say there's always been that rivalry, but I think as both sides pick up fans, and latterly, probably more so Edinburgh, that there is a bit of an edge to it. And players would always they put out those promotional videos, don't they, where they have old players coming on saying, so Oh, there's always been an edge to it, but I think actually now that it feels like it's. It matters to both teams now, Rory.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. I always like with the eighteen seventy two cup. I mean, quite often the games aren't aren't that, you know, aren't that exciting in terms of uh, entertaining attacking rugby. But uh, there's always a little. Well, there's always a lot of edge. Um, One of my favorite games is trying to guess which of the non Scotland qualified players are going to have a fight or push the niggle, because obviously all the guys who know each other and their mates in Scotland camp you tend to not start handbags with each other but it, it's always you know so it'll be a a, a or a um or uh you know somebody somebody like that who's who's uh who's start starting you know picking on Xander or whatever <laughs> and um and you know that sort of thing going on quite a lot trying to, trying to find out who's uh because there's yeah there's always always a bit of handbags and i think there is yeah there's definite there's an edge um there's the the rivalry i think uh in the, in an increasingly polarised society, it seems to it seem, people seem to want to be part of you know be part of a tribe and and have a, have another another with a capital O to boot. Yeah. Um, and I think you know that uh, that they seem to like that. Obviously, the, the Glasgow crowd are, are definitely a, a raucous bunch, and they're you know fiercely fiercely loyal to their to their team. So I think if, if Edinburgh developed something or an element of something similar, I mean it's Edinburgh we're talking about here, so <laughs> the, the fan base is slightly different. Um, assuming you know they they reach out to the traditional rugby heartlands, um, and uh, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good to see that see that rivalry grow. I mean, it, it, there's always that. There's always the 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 thing with the two Scottish pro teams is you've got that um, you've got the area outside Scotland who you know both teams represent. You know, speaking as someone who's not from Edinburgh or Glasgow, um, and you see that you know with the with the Glasgow. Um, with the the Pro 14 final, where there were you know swathes of fans from all over Scotland who went to to support them, so it's almost like the 1872 Cup is the is the one almost the, like the little bastion of tribalism. And aside from that, most most Scottish rugby fans I think wish both teams well, or you know wish would wish the other team well as long as it's not their team they're playing against. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it's interesting after that, Sandy, because it really—I mean—it's almost a shame that the Six Nations happens because it kind, it you know, the, the, there's a real boost when you look at some of the results that the Embrá get. There is a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a wee we fill up for for Embrá. They start putting results together in the aside from their way to the Southern Kings, but you know, it's a, it's a hard it's a hard trip that for a one-off game, I think, yeah. and you've got to acknowledge that a wee bit. But but they do start picking up some results, and, and again, Europe goes well. Um, but it's just that. It's. I mean, really, it's a lack of consistency. it Almost comes as. a came as a surprise, I think, to Embra that that when they beat Leinster, that all of a sudden, oh, hang on, lads, we could be, you know, we could be
2: in a shout of the, of 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 making a playoff. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, it, it. It. I mean, we went. I think uh, um, having beat uh, Dragons, they, where they they climbed to second, uh, before then losing away to Cardiff. And Benetton the falling fixtures and we're back down to fifth. Um, before that, before that Leinster game, and, um, and and it was a decent Leinster side they were out that, that night. I mean, they, it wasn't. I mean, they, they very rarely play their full strength side. It, it seems at times, but uh, um, and obviously the that was, I think they probably got a boost that night because that was John Barclay's uh, debut as well. So, mm. um, which obviously was a a, a decent. A, a decent kind of fill up at that point, and it and it got to the point where you th- they must have thought, you know, it's all very well to remain positive, and we can still do this, and, and all the usual uh, uh, cliches, but they must have got to a point where they thought, no, we're we're, we're fighting out for scraps here. But um, after that, they actually had a had a decent shot at it and uh, to to get somewhere. But uh, I mean, just wanted to, if you don't mind, go back to that. Uh, Game against Kings in South Africa. I mean, I know that we've spoke about refereeing, but um, I would, you know, that was probably the worst refereeing display <laughs> I've, I've seen and in watching the Pro Fourteen for Dan Dan Georgia. he It was shockingly bad. I mean, I, I, um, I, I mean, super so Edinburgh. Don't get me wrong, but um, but you know, his his interpretations of the scrums and, and what to do at penalties was just frighteningly bad. Uh, uh, I mean, Kings conceded say, 15 penalties in their own half. And I think they had one one yellow card. It was just crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy stuff. And I, and I, I was quite exorcised by it at the time. <laughs> I mean, it's still been a
0: real theme this season, hasn't it? A lack of consistency in refereeing, Rory. I don't, I don't know what the Pro 14 or if there's anything the Pro 14 can do. I mean, I think Richard Cockrell's given up com- commenting on it. Yeah, I mean, just because you have an aneurysm, otherwise,
1: yeah, you'll get or he will get shouted up by the higher ups. Yeah, um, it's. I mean, it, it's tricky. Rugby is nearly an impossible game to referee. You'd imagine, especially when it's on a professional level, and they're actively trying to find every edge that they possibly can. So, you know, it would be tricky enough if all the players were playing within the letter of the law and not trying to get away with stuff. And yeah, I mean. Unfortunately, the only way to become better as a referee is practice. I would guess, um, and you've got to practice at the level you know the level you want to be. You want to end up at, which means I guess some guys are. I mean, you could argue that some guys are still developing, but then you look at the likes of John Lacey, who's been doing it for years and is probably at the tail end of his career. Mm. Um, and you know, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the answer is. There's there are numerous bad referees to write, while rugby refereeing. Um there are quite a lot in the Pro fourteen. And the problem is that there's you know, there are referees that we think are, are okay that other fans yeah. from other countries think are awful and, and vice versa. Um you know, we all reckon Nigel Lawrence is generally okay, but um some he of the other his days, some, yeah. his days, some of the other fans think, think he's he's, you know, too showy or whatever. But um and then you know there's I think that probably the lack of uh, lack of Scottish referees at the highest level hurts us. Yeah, um, it, it's that sort of quid pro quo thing. Um, do we have the right to grumble about the referees when we can't produce any good ones our, ourselves? I'm sure Rue Campbell will be will be in the World Cup before too long.
0: Yeah, we well, we'll, well, well, referee, some... of, referee, Scottish Rugby Union referee of the season. There you go. Of course, um, for the so club hopefully a
1: man, a man on the fast track. He'll be too big to come on the podcast soon. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well,
0: he's referee. He refereed fifty-two games this year. Oh well, no I wonder think. we haven't heard of him. I know.
2: Heard
0: from him. Unbelievable. That's a lot. Yeah. I know. And but, but He's. Been, he's been, I more mean, games it,
2: than Henry Purgos has played for Edinburgh.
0: <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing. So I was. I was. Um, I was speaking to someone at the Berwick Rugby Club dinner um, who's involved in the refereeing site, and they're starting to send referees. Out to other areas. So I know Rury's refereed a couple of games down in England, um, and I think Holly Davison's done similar things. So I think they're trying to get the younger referees out and about a bit more. I think Ruri was saying he'd been out and done the Amsterdam Sevens, and that's going. Uh, you would. I don't know whether that's always been the case, but it seems like it's something that's that's new. And presumably, that way, it exposes them to different types of game. And. Yeah shenanigans
1: yeah i think it's i mean it's the same it's the same sort of same systems processes that we've seen kind of at all levels or not at all levels but in all professional levels of the game in in scotland um you know the first thing that they that scott johnson seemed to to focus his efforts on was getting the academy set up and we're seeing that sort of stream of younger players coming on um we saw the under 20s yesterday i don't know if you saw any of that there was a little bit of um you know they were they were close to the close to the baby yeah. box for about an hour, which is, to be honest, having watched a few under twenty games in my time, that's you know that's that's not awful. As a as a result, we mm. tend to suffer because our guys we don't have many big lads at that age, um, or not you know not enough of them potentially. So um, I would you know that was that was that was decent, but generally speaking, there has been some guys commenting on the on the uh, on the blog this week, looking at the uh, Kevin's sort of previews of the under twenties and the squad and things and looking at the guys that have have come through in the last few years and gone on to to pro careers and the the, the sort of hit rate seems to be getting a bit higher Um, and you know we've we've seen that with the players we're starting to see that with the coaches with the way that they're you know there are more opportunities more pathways for coaches whether it's the sevens or the under 20s or the the women or uh, with the pro teams or sending them off to Swaz or London Scottish or wherever Um, and you know there's more there certainly seems to be more visibility of of Scottish coaches, younger Scottish coaches, going out and getting that experience. Um, so, you know, the the refereeing system is probably the next logical thing to try and improve and try and build in some, you know, bringing the talent on stream quicker.
0: Yeah, because I guess it makes sense. If you're going to have a, a, a super six, then part of that's going to rely on having good top quality referees to referee it properly, because otherwise, player, if players aren't being refereed properly, they don't know... How to play properly, I guess. And we'll we'll get back to Ember, because we 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 digress slightly into the world of referee. We could probably do a whole podcast on refereeing. My fault. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I mean, we'll we'll maybe look then at the 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 highs and the lows then of the season overall, Andy. I mean, uh, Sandy. So so uh, is that 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 home win against Montpellier? Is that is that? Do you think that that was is a high for you? That that.
2: Oh yeah, no, for sure. Uh, And also the. Also, the the away win um, against Toulon. I mean, because the and that one in particular, if it, I, that's the one with the with the uh, the Belmata offload. So you know, it does just didn't get. But all three tries that were scored that that day were uh, um, uh, fantastic. Um, you know, it was the um, Darcy Graham's score in the corner where the, the where he just bumped the, the the French fullback out the road. Um, after actually another really good offload if I remember rightly from uh, Jamie Ritchie, um, and uh, um, another a good try by, I mean by Blair King on, followed by uh, uh, Johnson's try. I mean I think a I, I I good, brilliant and excellent to describe them. <laughs> so as a as a kind of uh, a one off, that was definitely the that was definitely the high. I mean it, to be fair, the the it, the, the quarter final at Murrayfield. Uh, which I'm sure you'll speak about was a high. It was only the result that was a that was a low but to be there, with, with the big crowd that was there, and, um, and it, it it did feel pretty special to be honest. So uh, it was a high on a kind of personal level. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, Europe in general, Europe 1872 you know the first two legs certainly, and the uh, um, uh, um, yeah, the quarterfinals just because it was a big event. I mean how much of a
0: missed opportunity do you think that was then Rory that that monster game because actually the 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 final results fairly close and you know, Ember yeah. were in it for for you know 70 80 minutes
1: yeah i mean we you know we we talked about um some there, there were just little moments in in the, in a lot of the closer games that uh, that un, that undid them in terms of the kind of overall progress in the season where perhaps a a loss could have been turned into a draw or a win um I think you've got to look at Schumann getting thinned for barging yep. the the monster barging burn I mean for all the controversy about whether he whether he was doing a bit of uh, play acting or whether he went down too easily or I mean there's there's a number of different angles you can look at it from and some of them it looks like he just got basically got shoved into his own man hard and and couldn't control where his where his feet were and fell over there's others where it looks like he's um he's auditioned in for a, a role as an extra in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah, that regardless of, of of the intent from the opposition player if he hadn't have kind of shoved him, he's not getting been there Edinburgh where we're just building momentum nicely and that absolutely killed it in terms of the, the remainder of that game. Um, yeah. and the, you know there's a lot of people commenting on the you know, on, on the, the blog afterwards and stuff that that was a game that that they could have won. Munster weren't that spectacular. I mean, we've kind of seen that from them this season. The Munster maybe haven't been at their at their strongest. Um, but Edinburgh didn't really make them work hard enough for that. Um, it, it was kind of it was a little bit similar to the it was it was a sort of slightly less intense version of of what happened to Glasgow in the in the final. Um mm. it, it was uh they just Edinburgh didn't really have an have an answer to the to to Munster when they decided to take a stranglehold of it. I mean the, the final it took that you know that took place at a much kind of higher level of uh, physicality and intensity and, and both teams were, were very good that day but uh, yeah the, in terms of the Edinburgh um, they just yeah they just came up short and I think that would probably that would probably be the most frustrating thing especially given you know the few weeks before they'd they'd managed to get through their own efforts um, you know get get into Europe uh, get into the quarterfinals sorry and also obviously. Make sure that Glasgow got in into the quarterfinals before their you know, their own game. So it was, you know, we we went into that, we came out of that final weekend with, um, with two two Scottish teams in the knockouts of of the Champions Cup for the first time, and then you know, the, then both of them promptly lost in the Pro 14 to teams that they probably wouldn't have wanted to lose to.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and yeah, it's not. I think you know that that was probably the high, and then the next the next European thing was. As Sandy says, was from a club point of view was probably at a high, but in terms of an actual, you know, in terms of performance and results, yeah. was, was probably not uh, not what they were. Not
0: what they were going for. Yeah, I mean we've had, we've had a couple of shouts on Twitter for asked for people's MVPs or most valuable players. I mean David Hutchinson got in touch and said the Johnson Dean partnership, um, Big Billy Matter and Darcy Graham, uh, Peter Irvin also went Mata Darcy Graham Schumann and Jimmy Johnson. I mean it's it's interesting, Sandy, because at the start of the season I was quite dismissive of Darcy Graham, not in terms of you know he's a quality young player, but people were calling for him to be called up to the Scotland squad and all sorts, and here we are <laughs> and. Yeah, okay. it's going to be hard to imagine, isn't it, that, yeah. that Darcy Graham won't go to Japan?
2: No, I, I mean it's. It, I, I was probably in the same camp as uh, you, Kami. I, I'd, I'd seen him play a couple of times last season, and there was a moment um, that against uh, I think we played it was London Irish at Murrayfield in the, the Challenge Cup, and he actually dived over a player into the corner to score the most. You know, acrobatic try. I think I've ever seen, um, and and I thought uh, that was a that was a changed moment for me because I thought he's either going to end up you know broken in a heap or he's <laughs> going to be he's going to end up being a star because I mean, you know never mind the rest of his attributes he just has no fear. Um, he 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 throws himself into everything. You know well, you know 110 um, percent. But I, I was of the opinion that he was probably going to be more uh, a sevens player. Yeah, um, but um you know, sometimes you, you, you people come along it make you think. Well, you, you think you know a wee bit about rugby. <laughs> the likes of Darcy Graham comes along and confounds all your uh, all your expectations. And I, I can only imagine he's going to go on to maybe even greater. But yeah, he'll he'll be on the he'll be away because he's uh, with Scotland. I don't think there's any doubt about that. To be honest I think he's like, yeah. It'd be
0: hard yeah, sure. it'd be hard, to, hard to predict physically, Rory, at the start of the season that Darcy Graham would be end up his international season being sat on top of two England players.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Prince of Huyk. yeah, um, on his throne. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting one because he has, you know, for a guy, for a guy whose name is, is Darcy, he's quite, he's quite a sort of, he's quite a tough character. He, he looks sort of wee and, but he, he's not, as Sandy says, he's not afraid to throw himself into it. And I think, I mean, the, the sevens thing is, is really interesting because he went away to, You know, he went away to the sevens and like quite a lot of guys, he came back physically, you know, a little bit, just a little bit stronger and a little bit, um, a little bit tougher. And I think, you know, I've talked, I've certainly talked about it and a few of us have talked about it before on the, on the pod is the the sevens thing, it's not necessarily going to make you a better 15s player, but it's going to make you a better professional rugby player in terms of just exposure to a kind of, because it's almost like an always, it's like you're always on tour. Um, you know you've got that you've got to do that professional thing but you've also got to manage your you know your food and your training and your recovery and um and then obviously you're playing against international quality players um admittedly you know okay so the rules are different but you know the basic skills are there's, there's plenty of application and we've you know we've seen guys come back from uh, from the, the sevens circuit just even to even if they're just given sort of farmed out for a for a few few tournaments it just seems to it seems to do them do them good um and yeah, I think it would be a travesty if darcy Graham doesn't go to doesn't go to japan um
0: even, I, yeah
1: know, even if even if he's not necessarily i mean whether whether townsend trusts him in in a big game or not, I'm not sure but um you know he was he was one of the standouts against uh yeah. against Wales, certainly in the six nations.
0: Yeah. And I suppose I guess he's had big games with Embra this year, and that's the that's the key yeah. thing. And that's not something that a player like Darcy Graham would have would have had with Embra in the past. As he's now had the big games. And I do wonder a little bit, I mean he's kind of I don't know whether or not this actually happens or not, but I, you get the sense that, you know, Darcy Graham is almost an indication of a bit of a sea change that's going to happen in international rugby, whereas you've got the Lensis and the Saracens and almost like the way England play of like having big physical players and who can strangle the life out of games. And you've always got you know, Gregor Townsend and Dave Rennie and, and, and to a certain extent, Richard Cockrell trying to f- find a different... Rather than playing teams at their own game, rather than playing Leinster and Saracens at their own game, the answer is players like Darcy Graham, who are very strong defensively, but are also... that th- They're not what you would necessarily class an international winger physically but they can, you know, you don't have any fear with Darcy Graham having seen him play now about him taking on a, you know, someone bigger than him,
2: Sandy. They're glad. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think that Richard Cockrell probably believed at the start of the season that that uh, Darcy would be such a standout, um, uh, because you, you, I mean, if you think of the the guys he has brought into the club, that you know, uh, and you pick Duane as a, an example, you know these. He's almost the exact. Still quick, but he's his thing is just purely built on, built on strength. He probably doesn't have the ball skills of uh, Darcy Graham, but uh, you know, big physical uh, uh, unit that probably fits into the category. You've spoke about more than the, more than the Darcy Grahams do. Uh, so I think it's probably even been a, a surprise to him in terms of just not that he's obviously not skillful, because he, you know, he must see that every day and day out, but but just how. How he's grasped his opportunity and really, uh, and you know, been the breakout player for you know not only for Edinburgh but um, everybody's favourite moment as you see sitting on the sitting on the England players. So it's a, he's he's definitely got uh, something, hasn't he? What well,
0: what what then? I mean, we'll, we'll round it up then, Sandy. I mean, what in terms of next season? I mean, Edinburgh have already been in the transfer market, although one of the one of those signings has fallen through what what kind of what are you hopeful for next season do you think that Embra have done enough or is there still sort of areas of concern I mean you still maybe got concerns at nine and ten perhaps
2: yeah I I, I mean that's I used I used the word we need to evolve I mean that there's like the game plan is very much um, forward dominated at the moment it, it, when when the backs the backs don't get the ball very often and when you do get it um, it seems to be Individual moments of skill that that uh, that, that get them forward. Um, that they're, they're not. They don't seem to have, or, or I don't know. If it's Richard Cockerell doesn't trust them enough to to obviously have them be a bigger part of how we win the how we win a game. Um, so I think that is still a concern. Um, I, I don't I, I don't have a huge problem with um, I, with either of our halfbacks at the moment. I, I mean at the start of the season, I think what happened with Henry was at the start of the season, when everybody was, had plenty of energy and was up for it, the, the, um, the kicking mat, the game that he plays, um, which again, would have been dictated by, uh, by, by Cockers worked very well. But as you start to become tired and you've got, you've got to go 40 phases for every try that you score and, and you're playing in, uh, you know, 35 out of 37 games that the club has got this season, you know, it, 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 I think it required to be precise, and as the season wore on, tiredness crept in. It, it was no longer precise because it was not not even the the uh, the kick, and it was also the fact that it it also seemed as a kind of deliberate tactic that we weren't challenging anybody in the air. it was the kick chase, uh, the tackle. Hopefully, you know, hopefully winning a turnover, but if not, at the very least, getting the uh, getting the line out that followed, uh, and that seemed to be the that seemed to be the tactic. So um but i think they need that i mean we scored uh, probably less trying we only the only team that scored less tries uh, and as uh, were um i think probably dragons and uh, yeah fight dragons and zebra fifty two tries in the pro fourteen yeah um, only dragons and uh, zebra scored less and and you know you're not gonna um, you're not gonna win or even qualify for europe with that kind of thing so the, that the, that's for they, they they need to evolve there um uh, how that's whether that's with a fabled nine that's coming um we'll, we'll see but uh, i think the game needs to change a little i think he needs to trust them more and the game needs to change because um you needing 40 phases for every try just isn't going to uh it's not going to help
0: no i mean do you th- do you get the sense rory that that there there is going to be a, a change in ember next season with some of the signs
1: i would uh, i would hope so um I think it it's tricky because I think after the you know after not the season just just passed but the season before we thought excellent Edinburgh have got the makings of the pack now they're going to build on their attack and it, they sort of stayed still or or perhaps even went backwards in terms of what happened and I think it is it, it comes back to what we've we've talked about um, a few times already is this is the trust does he you know the the first fifteen almost kind of picks itself does he trust the guys outside that to um, and is the fact that he's kind of yes, we are uh, having having the core of a team consistent is, is a good idea, but you still have to rotate. Dave Rennie at uh, Glasgow has found a way to rotate his team while still kind of well, they still play with a kind of collective identity. Um, Edinburgh, he, he's picked they pay with a collective identity because it's the same guys he's picking yeah. week in and week out. And as as Sandy said, they're getting tired towards the end of the season. Uh, we know Henry Perkos can play fast rugby because he did it for seasons with Glasgow. Um but for some reason he's electing to do a lot of box kicking. Um some of it ridiculous in terms of the amount, you know, the amount of time he's taking and that sort of thing. Um so I think yeah, Edinburgh really need to they need to they need to figure out I, I guess uh, an an approach at 10, 12, 13 that's going to work. Um is is van der Valt the man to to lead an attack. He certainly has done at times. Um but there, I guess there's you know, will we see more more from Hickey? Um, I don't. You know, he's not really. It would have been nice to see maybe Edin try and sign someone like, say, James Lang of Harlequins, who could give them that kind of ten, twelve, a little bit of a, a little bit of an option there. But but maybe if, you know, if you've seen if Townsend sees him more as a centre, then if he signs for a Scottish team, Townsend's going to say, well, you have to play with centre, not not at ten. Um, I think it. Yeah, we need to see. We need to see Bennett and Scott. There's no word on. No word on the injury to Bennett that he got in the uh, got in the the Glasgow game. No. But um all, having said that, the uh, fee got in touch on on Twitter and said, according to his girlfriend's Instagram, he's out walking the dogs tonight, so he, <laughs> he, can, he can at least walk. Yeah,
2: it's a start. That's yeah. Yeah,
1: exclusive, folks. You heard it here first. Yeah, we're always uh, always very
0: grateful to see uh, to fee and her uh, Instagram stalking. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so I think. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean. Christine and James Johnston did brilliantly. Uh, yeah. They, they 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 were they clicked really well. But
0: I guess it's more of that yeah. Well I, I guess it's more of the, I mean, Townsend obviously doesn't see them as test quality otherwise he would have yeah. picked them. They've both come into the, they've both come into the wider training squad and disappeared just as quickly. Yeah. And which would you know reading between the lines would indicate that he's brought them in had a look at them and decided he's not they're not up to what he's already got
1: you could say that he's, he's taking the same with, approach with, with Bennett and Scott I suppose as well so no, none of them are really um, doing it for him I guess but you know those two guys have have had their issues with injuries this season so it would be great to see them both get a, a full pre-season um, it doesn't look like either of them will be involved in the World Cup so that would actually be good for you know Cockrell to pick a full complement plus he's got obviously the new guys the Vigians come in and in, the, in the back three and and, and he's got to decide whether he's going to pick Kinghorn or or Graham at fullback, and then who, which one's a winger, which one's a fullback. Um, when Kinghorn was out, Graham just kind of showed that he could he could do fullback as well, and was was pretty good there. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out because obviously there's a there's debate about it at international mm-hmm. level as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll we'll move on then, I and mean, we'll, we'll come. It's, it, we don't want to go too much into how our next season is going to go because we'll probably do some sort of season preview podcast at some point. Um, in between all the world rock mad world uh, world cup madness, um, we we've I asked for some Edinburgh centric where's Doogie Donnelly's um, earlier today. Uh, Peter Irvin got in touch on Twitter to say that he saw Andrew Strauss in Edinburgh Airport in 2014 when he first signed for Edinburgh. Peter says he plucked up the courage to speak to him and approached him, and he said he was a really nice guy, but to my surprise, he had a Kiwi accent and told me that his name was actually Mike Coleman.
2: <laughs> so that was brilliant. Yeah, I suppose they a good question,
0: Yeah. Um, David Hutchinson yeah. saw WP Nell shopping on George Street on the Monday before the Calcutta Cup. He uh, he, he didn't see what he was buying. He did say that WP oh. Nell's wedding ring uh, looks like it was purpose-made by a welder, though, because of the size of his fingers. <laughs> Um, and David two from David Hunter who said he saw uh, Simon Bergen walking uh, the dog with his uh, Mrs and Roseburn, and he said he ought now this could be this could be a bit of a scoop boys. Um, he also saw George Turner unpacking his SUV at lunchtime in Edinburgh on the Pro 14 final day. He said it doesn't look like Turner's moved away from Glasgow. It looks like he wasn't going to the match. So to what David asks is, is he angling for a move back to become Edinburgh's third choice hooker again?
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sure it, tempting as it would be
0: yeah. yeah you'd have you'd have George Turner back in a flash wouldn't you over Dave Cherry
2: yeah I, absolutely yeah <laughs> I, I, I mean I, I mean whether he whether it's second third or fourth I mean there's, they've also signed a guy from from Kings of course they have yeah, yes it, I, yeah. say so, I mean there's a a huge lineup of hookers at the moment.
0: Yeah, well, one question to, I want. Quite a phrase. <laughs> one, one question um, that that we haven't asked tonight, which which we we will well, I'll throw out there to listeners. Has anybody seen Daryl Marfo? Ah, yeah,
1: you've got till August to find him for us.
0: Yeah, find us Daryl Marfo. I think we we last heard he was in somebody's flat. I think was last time we heard someone had seen him in a flat somewhere. Um, and I don't think he was even playing for um whatever. Prem team he was playing for. Yeah. Muir, I don't think he's even turned up for them that much. So if, if, he was last spotted, I think, as a as a sort of like fourth choice replacement sub substitute substitute on a European. I think it was a Toulon game. I think he was photographed yeah, in an Ember yeah, tracksuit. Yeah, did,
1: did make a bench,
0: twenty fourth or, uh, or something. Yeah. So yeah, if, if anybody's seen Daryl Math or Daryl yourself, please, feel free to get in touch. Let us know what you are up to. We're always happy to have you on. um we'll do our we we also asked for some ember centric hands in the rock. I've got the new mixer, but I haven't quite um mastered playing in the uh the jingles live yet. I'll get that ready for next week but david Hutchinson uh got in touch he said his hands in the rock and we we touched on the sandy when we did our uh, our special podcast He said Ross Ford's lack of a send off and I think that's that would be yeah. a fair one um what what was your hands in the rock then this season for Ember then sandy
2: um I think just the I mean in terms of the actual season, it's just the inconsistency. Because it was, uh you know, if you like high highs and low lows, because you know, to you know, to beat your the top sides in the conferences and then it lose to the bottom, and you know, and and just not just not be consistent enough. It's just, I mean, there was there's nothing like hugely. I don't think there's anything hugely wrong. It just doesn't not firing. Um and that that would probably be a bit. Um, my. I, I actually my, my biggest hands in the rock list this week. It, it is Edinburgh based, but it's more to do with the uh, coming season. As the as the uh, lack of free kids tickets has really exercised me and annoyed me this week, to be honest, because I'm um, um, I i do not understand why they've why they've done that. Uh, Having had them last year, uh, I mean they tell us that we'll be in the new new stadium halfway through the season. I don't believe that for a start. Um, and, you know, even if we did, um, you know, our average attendance last year was uh, 5,200, not counting European and uh, um, 1872 Cup games. So there's, And that was including three kids tickets. So plenty of room for them in the new stadium. So, I, you know, it just seems a lack of, a huge lack of goodwill, to be honest. And I, I think it just... Uh, sticks in the throat a wee bit of
0: that one yeah and um, we should also mention um Bruce Aitchison who yes very sneakily when I asked for a uh, feedback on on Ember's season um the happiness is egg shape twitter account said the fabulous stadium announcer and the pre and post match clubhouse interviews um so um yeah I did call Bruce out on that and said you can't use your own sort of your, your second Twitter account to, to praise yourself, but but I'll allow it. Um, but you 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 uh, you thought Bruce had done a good job this year?
2: I I think he's a, he's fantastic. He's a great stadium announcer. Um, I mean the effort he puts into it and the and the enthusiasm he puts in it is just actually phenomenal. Um, I mean before he started, we actually there was somebody did a game uh, um, before he started and I actually read out the players' names in the wrong. Not not. The the you know fifteen twelve, but actually did I mean we, for ages we were talking about um, Fife Doogie, <laughs> somebody whoever was there was was doing it. Honestly thought that Fife was his first name and Doogie was his second name and it and it became a it became a thing. Uh, I mean I tweeted Alistair about it a few times to be honest. It's quite funny, but uh, I mean Bruce is fantastic. He's a he, he, I mean just in general he's a he's a guy who's just got. Enormous enthusiasm for for rugby, but he does a great job with the stadium announcing. And, and not only that, he tries to. Uh, he's, although he's there for Edinburgh, he's been trying to. Uh, he mentions club games that are going on. You know, in the, if we're there on the Friday night, he'll say, um, you know, if you're still looking for a game tomorrow, you can go and watch Heriot's so because they're playing so and so, or you can go and watch Barhammuir because they're they're playing whoever. And you know, it's, it's just in general. I think he's just. Uh, and the wee, interview, the wee interviews he does in the uh, in the clubhouse with the players are are, are excellent as well. He's a, uh, he, he puts puts everybody to shame with his enthusiasm, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, that thing about the shout-outs for club games, because my hands in the ruck was, I mean, compared to, I'm maybe have talked about this in the past, but compared to Glasgow, he, and this again probably comes back to what you were saying, Rory, about this sort of ember of... Sort of aren't as maybe engaging as Glasgow, sort of media wise, um, either. But the Embra don't seem to engage with the wider region in the same way that Glasgow do. You don't see a lot of Embra going out and about, and they might they may well be doing it, but if they're mm. doing it, they're not putting it on social media, they're not running going running tournaments at Melrose or Selkirk or the Borders or. Wherever else Embra sort of are supposed to cover region wise, they seem very Embra centric, and it it feels a little bit like a a missed opportunity. I mean, Sandy, you probably you follow Embra much closer than I do. Is that is that something that they 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 promote as well as Glasgow?
2: I I can't. I mean, I I mean, I'm not. I mean, I think as as much as I'm following Edinburgh closely, I'm probably not following Glasgow as closely. So uh, it's hard to compare. But I do I, I do see. Um, social media from them when they're out doing community-based stuff at clubs. It's not that long ago they were out at my local club at Last Wade, so um, eh, they are there. How it compares to other clubs, uh, to, uh, obviously in particular Glasgow, I really couldn't couldn't say. But um, you're probably right in that they don't. I mean, they, they, although Last Wade's not in Edinburgh, it's not a million miles away, so yeah. they're probably not going. Um, they're probably not going into Fife they They're probably not. Going down into the borders, I don't, um, but I certainly see plenty um, pictures of engagement with at, at clubs with with minis and junior sections and what have you. So that they've definitely been out. Yeah, it's whether or not I
0: suppose. I suppose yeah, it's that wider thing of, of, of how how much further out into the region they're going. Yeah. From yeah. that and point it, of I mean, view,
1: it is, it is interesting. Uh, I Saw a tweet earlier t- today. Actually, um, Edinburgh are looking for. Um, someone to head up their media yeah. communications department which i think is and that you know whoever whoever was doing it before has, hasn't been in place probably that that long so yeah you know anyone out there listening you think you could do a do a better job of bringing the the, the navy and burnt orange message to the people then i'm yeah. sure are you would be interested the, in uh, hearing from you
0: there is a train that goes from the borders to Edinburgh now so you know it yeah. might be worth doing a bit. If you, if you aren't doing a bit of promoting out in, in the borders, it might be worth starting, lads. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, Can I just say also that Fife, Fife Doogie sounds like one of these kind of giant American dudes that will turn up to Highland <laughs> Games and wander wander through the, the wander through the town in the complete full kind of. Uh, so I married an axe murderer tartan get-up with the with the, <laughs> the, the tam o' shanter and the giant peacock feather and stuff in it
2: claiming Scot claiming scottish yeah
1: claiming to be the, the the head the chief of the related to the chief of the, the doogie clan i
2: don't know to, i've
1: to
0: told you this before we we um i was my uh auntie and uncle lived in hawaii for a bit and we got to go out there and i wandered into sort of this this art gallery because i was a bit bored one day i was 17 at the time and the guy in there just sort of got talking to me and i said are you scottish today yeah. he says oh gee i'm i'm scottish and i was like oh really and he says yeah we we went to sterling and and we met my family i'm like no i he says um they they brought out rob roy's birth birthing robes and i was like really He said yeah and they let me see them and they kid nobody knows they've got them and i'm thinking you've just been conned out of money by some family in sterling they're just taking you in and said yeah we've we've got Rob Roy's birth robes just that it's just in the you know, linen drawer didn't there. Um Was it so- Big
2: Big Mags Haney? Was that who loved it? was that the notorious <laughs> lady from Stirling? Maybe that was who it was.
0: Maybe it was, yeah, but somebody's somebody's definitely uh been taking that guy for a ride. I felt I kinda of felt sorry for him, but I also had a huge admiration for whoever it was in Stirling that had got <laughs> him over there and sort of fleeced him with a few bob. Um you have you had a hands in the ruck for Ember this year?
1: Um well, yeah, I mean, well, my hands in a ruck would be the kind of stuff we've, we've talked about. Yeah, not getting Champions Cup rugby next season would probably be the, yeah. the big one. We did have one in from, from Fee, who uh, obviously gave us that Mark Bennett exclusive. Um, she Her hands in a ruck was uh, players coming up to the bar after the games, being few far, few and far between. Um, I didn't get into any of my games this season, so I can't uh, can't testify to that. But I'm guessing that uh, they've not been represented. Uh, representing. No,
2: yeah, she's spot on with that, Rory. To be honest, they, they started off not too badly, and uh, as the season uh, progressed, they got to the point there was nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that that was quite a a, a poor uh, poor poor job. Yeah.
1: In the good news, Damien holland has got a one-year contract extension, presumably because uh, nasoko failed his fitness test.
2: Yeah, that's early. what I thought.
0: Yeah, his royal fineness as I believe he's known amongst the ladies.
1: All right. Okay.
2: Yeah. Excellent.
0: There you go. Um, yeah, I think that's it. There's nothing, nothing more to say about and We've, we've, we've rambled on for longer than I thought we would about Embra season. Um, There's been plenty to talk about, really. Um, yeah. We, um, we will be back next week. We'll have a, a go at dissecting uh, Glasgow season next week. We felt like we wanted to sort of give, give both teams the space, so we're not choosing one over the other or, or being biased. So we'll probably, we've spent a bit of time dig, having digs at uh, Glasgow this week. So if you're an Embra fan, maybe don't listen next week. Um, <laughs> we're gonna have hopefully but get,
1: but do make sure you time it to make sure you you check that that we've allocated e- exactly equal. Time to the <laughs> yes, to each
0: yeah, top. yeah. I'll I'll I'll, I'll tot it all up afterwards and make sure we don't overdo it next week. When we we uh, I'll keep Ian and John in line. And um, so yeah, we'll be back next week to dissect and analyse Glasgow season, uh, and then we're going to head into the summer where we're probably a little bit more sporadic. But we have got plans. I think we're going to do. A podcast, hopefully with the Scottish Rugby Forum uh, guys and, and and a special guest. I'm hoping to get get on as well to look at the rules of being a Scottish rugby fan. We've got to try and drop some wit style rules. Um, one of them is definitely going to be that we boo the kicker. Just just so we've got yeah. somewhere to refer Irish people to when they get irate. Um, <laughs> just say it's a rule. We 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 we, we you know ours is not the reason why. Um, and then we are going to try gonna and roll. yeah, we're going to try and do some historic pods and look at the. To the mo- It's hard to look at good um, World Cup games for Scotland, but two of the most momentous ones. So the 1991 semi-final uh, and then the uh, 2015 quarter final. Just have a look back at those with a benefit of hindsight. Um, we're going to have one which is a bit like a snatch episode where I'm coming up with a, a create-your-own-adventure for Scotland's trip to Japan. So we've got a couple of people lined up for that. And then... Um, I think that's it I think that's our, that's that's generally our plans for over the summer so they will be popping up in your podcast apps and we'll put it out on social media when they're coming when they're coming out and then we'll be in the world cup um which um if we can we will try and record the day or day of or day after each each group match and then hopefully hopefully beyond fingers crossed um so watch this space yes. but but for the minute it's yeah. goodbye from me and goodbye from Rory and Sandy
2: Goodbye hi everyone Cheers. thanks chaps.
0: Nice
1: one. Good, good one. I'm away. I am good.